Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Farrington, CEO of JF Initiative. Today's topic for discussion is how have sales leaders adapted to the new selling landscape? Um, if you haven't seen the preview text, what I actually said was, we're now 12 months on from the first lockdowns, which were part of a global strategy to contain the spread of COVID-19. So how have sales teams and more specifically sales leaders adapted to a new selling landscape? Um, the most recent research conducted by Sandler Research Center was called Leading from the Front in Challenging Times. And it provides us with an extremely accurate picture. For example, 71.4% of respondents reported that their sales process has changed as a result of transitioning to remote commercial trading. 77% confirmed that they had experienced changes in the short or long-term competitive landscape that are affecting their business. 82% have witnessed the commitment to client retention increase, and 62% are finding it difficult or much more difficult to locate and sell to new prospects compared to before COVID-19's arrival. Now, there's nothing in those statistics, I'm sure, that will have surprised you. But these two might, because personally, I find them quite worrying. 67.5% of sales leaders have not received training on how to lead remotely, and more than 42% of frontline sales professionals have not been adequately trained in how to sell remotely. So those, those are our topics for today. And without further ado, please allow me to introduce you to my guests. Bill Bartlett is Senior Vice President, Sandler Training, a critically acclaimed trainer and coach and best-selling author of the Sales Coaches Playbook, Breaking the Performance Code. He's been dedicated to furthering the professional de development of sales leaders for more than 26 years, excelling at identifying critical core challenges and implementing growth strategies that are transformative in their depth. Gretchen Gordon is the CEO of Boost Profits and a self-proclaimed sales nerd, is not your typical sales consultant or speaker. Sales did not come naturally to her, but she overcame her lack of natural sales talent and is now obsessed with helping teams of sellers maximize their potential through developing both skill sets and mindsets. Through Boost Profits, she helps companies sell more, more profitably. She has been recognized repeatedly as a top 50 sales influencer, is a dynamic speaker, and has published several ebooks, including Sales Hiring, Get It Right from the Start, and the Sales Action Planning Playbook. Dave Curlin is a top-rated speaker, best-selling author, radio show host, successful entrepreneur, and sales development industry pioneer. Dave is the founder and CEO of Objective Management Group, Inc., otherwise known as OMG, to, to those that know him, and the leader, which is the leader in sales candidate assessments and sales force evaluations, and named the top sales assessment tool from 2011 to 2021 consistently. He's also CEO of Curlin Associates, Inc., an international consulting firm specializing in sales force development and named three times to the Inc. 5000. And finally, last but certainly not least, Keith Rosen is the CEO of Profit Builders, named one of the best sales training and coaching companies worldwide. Since 1989, Keith has delivered his transformational programs to hundreds of thousands of salespeople and managers in practically every industry on six continents and in over 75 countries. Inc. Magazine and Fast Company named Keith one of the five most influential executive coaches, and Keith has written several bestsellers, including Own Your Day, the globally acclaimed coaching salespeople into sales champions, winner of five international best book awards, and the number one best-selling sales management coaching book on Amazon, and finally, Sales Leadership, which was named the 2018 Sales Book of the Year. And there they all are. Welcome, everybody. Absolutely delighted to have you on the panel. So let's kick in straight in, shall we? Um, I'll start with you, Bill. Um, knowing your 26 years commitment to sales management, Looking at the current landscape today, what for you has been the biggest challenge that sales managers have had over the past 12 months when transitioning to uh, on, online trading? 
I think it, in, in general, sales managers have, have really struggled through the years and haven't adapted very well because they were typically the top salespeople who were promoted into a role and not trained for that role. And so yeah. they were promoted based on their selling skills. And so what happens in the role is they begin to teach people to do things the way they did. And we know that that's a methodology for failure. And so to your point, um, they rely on personality and intuition to get through this new landscape. And that's certainly not a methodology that's going to do it. And so your comment from your research, 67% of sales leaders not receive the training. Well, what happens without the training is there's no way to grow their people. And so they don't have the ability to create let's say a cookbook type approach to growth, which means these are the behaviors you should be performing. These are the KPIs we should be measuring. And so people are left to their own devices. And, and one last thought, and, and you know, I'll pass it back to you. And that is, you know, when we look at sales managers, they simply see the new, the new world as a transference of geography where people are working from home versus working from the field. And we know that's not the case. And so we know right now that salespeople in the field are facing a lot of issues from, um, again, bonding with, with prospects to um, limiting distractions that they're facing and things like that. And so you know, the sales manager himself or herself really has to figure out that there has to be a methodology to grow people through coaching and mentoring. And we believe that right now, those are the two key areas that if a sales manager were to focus on, they can develop their people at a much faster rate than just relying on supervision and training. I, I couldn't agree more, Bill. And I mean, those two words alone, coaching and mentoring, um, uh, will provide Gretchen, Dave, and particularly Keith with happy ears, I can assure you. Um, Gretchen, if I can come on to you, do, do you not find it alarming that you know more than 67% of, of sales leaders still haven't received any help um, any mentoring, any coaching, any training on being able to manage remotely when we are more than 12 months in from our first lockdown? Um, probably not surprising, but um, I find it, you know, disappointing, I guess I would say. And um, we're, we're trying to do everything we can to um, change that. But it's it's not um, that surprising in light of the fact that most sales managers, as, as Bill said, um, haven't been probably trained at all in in effective sales leadership, coaching, motivating, how to effectively hold salespeople accountable. So the mm -hmm. fact that you know most of them have not had any uh, training or coaching with regard to how to do it uh, remotely is not actually that. Um, surprising. It's kind of a bummer. Um, but um, I think everybody thought that we were going to get out of this and and people kind of, you know, are, are, are creatures of habit, right? So they just want to keep doing what they're comfortable with instead of embracing the change. And, and you know, so that might be a, a lesson to learn is like, let's embrace what we're dealing with right now. And, and honestly, it's not that different, uh, I guess I would say, um, from the skill sets, it's just a different place and and medium. Um, but the fact that most sales managers aren't that great at at you know the skill sets that actually impact sales um, doesn't change anything because now we're doing it you know remotely and virtually and and via video. It just highlights the fact that they probably weren't doing a very good job before. So there's still opportunity to. <clears throat> you know, impact sales leadership for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thinking about, and by the way, we, we are obviously going to focus on coaching, um, which is why you see that you're all your fellow panel members and yourself and me, um, because we're all totally committed and, and firm believers and evangelists uh, on, on the topic of sales management coaching and, you know, coaching sales managers to coach, if you like. But as you go around, <clears throat> Uh, Gretchen, well, not so much go around, but sort of, you know, go around the internet at the moment and you talk to your clients. What is the single most biggest challenge that your client sales managers have got, do you think? Uh, I think it's that they are um, not putting themselves out there more. I think the biggest challenge is that they're... Um, continuing to maybe manage in the same manner that they were 
And so what happens is they're ha they're not having those water cooler conversations with salespeople that they might, you know, see face to face. So they're not able to have informal coaching sessions. And, um, and I would say that that is really, um, degraded the impact that they can have with the salespeople. So, you know, I guess I would say having more frequent, maybe shorter, but being more intentional about it is what maybe they need to think about. But I would say that the lack of casual interactions is, is probably what they're, you know, what they're really suffering from the most. That's what we see. Yeah. 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 Okay. Keith, I'm going to come on to you next. I just want to pop back to Bill. He's got a point that he'd like to make. One of the things to, to play off of what Gretchen said is, I think sales managers misunderstand the position that their people are in the change curve. I, I write about the change curve in my book, which begins with shock and goes into denial and resistance, exploration, commitment, adaptation. Most sales managers believe that their salespeople are in exploration mode, and many of them are stuck in shock, denial, or resistance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get that. Okay, Keith, coming on to you. I mean, you're obviously still extremely busy because I know by the, you know, by the the volume of emails I typically get from you has decreased. Um, so that means you're still talking to lots of your clients. You're still coaching online. What, what are you discovering is the biggest, the single most concern, a critical concern that your clients have got. I would say most companies right now uh, are simply still in triage. Uh, there's still no playbook out there on how to manage, coach, and uh, sell through a pandemic. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we can't blame our salespeople. We actually can't even blame our manager because the problem is, is managers, they've never been in this situation. No one's ever been in this situation. We don't even know the conversations that we need to have. So I would say the greatest gap right now is, it's not doing more things faster, you know, doing more of the things we did faster in 2019. It, it's just going to get us closer to the wrong results we want. Uh, and we can't automate that. You know, and you, and you certainly, especially today more than anything, you cannot automate relationships. So, you know, it, you know looking at where, where the big gap is right now is, you know, managers, it's really hard for them to recognize what their people need when they're not getting it themselves. And right now, and I'll turn it back to you in a second, Jonathan, is, uh, you know, it, it, it's not just about looking at your, you know, your, 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 your statistics really reinforced it is, you know, it's not just about looking at your sales strategy. Uh, it's not just looking at your leadership or coaching strategy. It's going beyond that because right now, and I've done several studies on this, and I'm sure my friends on, on the call will, will agree is, um, most people today don't want the leader who is um, the subject matter expert or who, um, you know, is a visionary or, uh, you know, who is, who is inspiring. Uh, they want a leader who they can trust, who's dependable. And that is why the new sales strategy and the new leadership strategy today is care. Because it's not just our people that are suffering, it's not the managers, it's not our boss, but our customers as well. And at this point, it's the deeper conversations managers need and salespeople need to have that they're not having right now. And that's a lot of time when I'm spending really teaching them these critical conversations uh, because no one's ever done it before. Yeah, no, I, I, and something I picked up there from you, and I totally agree, you're right. I mean, our sales teams are not looking for Churchillian speeches right now. What they are looking for, as you suggest, the word you use is trust. The word I would probably use is empathy and understanding, um, because it has been a, a, a real shock to the system for all of us. Um, and, you know, I'm, I certainly don't need to be inspired. What I do want, what I'm looking for uh, in my relations, commercial relationships is understanding. I totally agree with you, Keith. Dave, I'm going to come on to you, but before I do, Gretchen's got something she'd like to add. Gretchen. Yeah, I just thank you. I just wanted to add something to what <clears throat> Keith was saying about, you know, the caring and and Jonathan, what you were saying about empathy and and understanding. 
Um, one of the one of the areas that that we've noticed is that, and and I don't want to steal thunder from Dave because it comes directly from OMG data, is um, how an individual seller is motivated. Um, is important in this time of stress and and distance, I guess I would say. And so managers really need to understand um, if someone is extrinsically motivated, you know, they, they're motivated by uh, external forces, right? Um, things, rewards, recognition. They need to tap into that because guess what? That, that salesperson may not be getting that. Um, because we're not, we don't have something posted on the wall and we're not having a sales meeting in person where people go, oh, this guy did a great job, close that business. Mm -hmm. Additionally, intrinsically motivated folks um, maybe aren't getting what they need from, you know, uh, having the, the personal interactions with customers and clients and things like that. So we need to pay attention to that because the se sellers are going to react very differently. So along the lines of caring about them or showing empathy or demonstrating that you understand them, it's probably even more important than ever before that uh, a sales leader really does understand what drives uh, the individuals on their team. Yep, yep, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I agree totally. Um, Keith, I will come back to you, but before I do, I want to go on to Dave. Dave, OMG have conducted two million. I mean, it's well over, well over two million now. I'm sure um, assessments. Have you noticed? Have there been signs of stress, anxiety, insecurity um, coming out in the assessments that you've conducted over the last twelve months, in particular? A great question. And we did this research. Uh, we looked at pre-pandemic scores, average scores. We looked at mid-pandemic scores. You know, mid-pandemic would be like uh, March, April, and May of 2020. And we looked at uh, the recovery period, you know, the, the summer and the fall when things started, for most B2B sellers, when things started to get normal again in terms of business being robust, even though they were still virtual and remote. And most of the changes in scores uh, were seen in the area of desire and commitment and uh, responsibility and motivation and outlook. You know, selling competencies didn't change and sales DNA didn't change. But those those competencies in the area of will to sell were a little volatile, especially in the area of motivation. Uh, yeah. Excuse makers continued to make excuses. <laughs> People with a crappy outlook continued to have a crappy outlook. Uh, but but motivation went down. But among top sellers, that top ten percent, commitment scores went up. Desire scores went up and motivation scores went up. So the, the people who were already at the top of the heap just, just piled it on even more. Um, and we saw the biggest change in an area that Gretchen was just talking about, and that is how they're motivated. We, it, it's really interesting in that um, not that long ago, prior to 2009, when we had the economic crisis, 54% of all salespeople were intrinsically motivated. And within a couple of years after the economic crisis, that had dropped in half. Just 27% were extrinsically motivated. Cool. And during the pandemic, that went up by 10%. So all of a sudden, uh, people who weren't terribly motivated by money became more motivated by money as the pressure was on to sell more so that they could earn more so that their lifestyle wouldn't change. Yeah. yeah. And and while my mic is open, if I could just circle back to a couple things that Bill and Gretchen and Keith said, I'd, I'd like to add one element of that. And that is that remote sellers who were good relationship builders and keepers and were generally okay because they had all their customer relationships to keep them okay. 
uh, but only 57% of all salespeople were, are strong at relationships. So that leaves this big group of 43% who weren't getting what they needed from relationships because they aren't good at building relationships. And when you consider that only 9% of all sales managers are communicating and coaching their salespeople on a daily basis, that's where the intersection of horribility comes in. Um, yeah. the, the salespeople who needed to hear from their sales managers, but who weren't hearing from them. And those people felt isolated and alone. And that, that was especially true back in March, April, and May. I think things are kind of more normal now, except for the virtual piece. Uh, but the sales manager score hasn't changed. It hasn't mm. budged. It's still 9%. Before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic, only 9% are, are in touch with their salespeople on a daily basis. Yeah. That's uh, really very, very alarming. I mean, to touch on one point that you made, that uh, those frontline sales professionals who remain close to their existing clients, um, you know, over periods of time, <clears throat> not just since March 2020, um, have have actually continued to be reasonably successful. I mean, they've survived and some of them are actually thriving now because they started building those brick walls around their existing clients and getting close to them, you know, and, and always have done. For those who spend 80% of their time looking for new business and only 20% of their time looking for, you know, looking after the clients that they've got, those are the people that have struggled. Isn't that true, Tim? I think there's a lot of truth to that. And yeah. of course, one of your statistics from earlier is that uh, more than half of the companies are finding it more difficult to find new business. So yes. for the people who are focused on finding new business and struggling with that, that's been exacerbated big time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just find it very, very sad that it, you know, having been one of those people that have been on a soapbox for the last 20, 30 years, extolling the virtues and the needs of getting close, really close to your clients and understanding them, building long-term relationships, that it took a pandemic for some people to realize just how important that was. And, you know, I've always said for those people that believe that existing clients are like disposable tissues, they soon find out that the box is empty. Um, Keith, you wanted to come in? Almost certainly, JF. So I'd like to build off uh, what Dave said, because uh, Dave and I are, are typically aligned and building off the statistic of 57 percent. Dave, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, are strong at building relationships, while the nine percent of those managers are uh, only in touch with their salespeople every day. You know, it's interesting. We hear talk about management training and leadership training and sales training. You know, what you don't hear about is relationship training. Because right now, if that's really the gap, and you could see it more fold if, they're, if the managers are not connecting with their people daily, uh, they want to how to build a relationship. When was the last time a manager said, hey, hey, let's talk about, we're not going to talk about how we're going to drive sales. We're going to talk about what it means to actually build a successful relationship. How do you do that? Managers still aren't having that conversation. And, and not only that, I want to build off the fact that this is not just with manager to, to their direct, it's manager peer to peer, it's also to the customers. You know, we have to reset expectations, not only with our people and how we're going to engage with them, but also how we're going to serve our customers as well. And we are the ones that have to initiate those conversations. As much as people are all zoomed out right now and suffering from fatigue, you know, one of the things is if they could just shift and start focusing on the who and not the what, it's going to impact ultimately their sales and performance. You know, and again, disengagement right now was what? 72% in 2018, now it's at an all-time high. Well, why is that? It's because managers still have no clue how to coach. And I'll just share this one point, and I'll, and I'll turn the mic over, is I have this conversation pretty much every day where managers are coming to me and saying, Keith, I want my people to coach more. I want my managers to coach more. I want them to coach 70% of the time. And once I hear that, I, I turn to that, that executive and I say, what's your universal definition of coaching? 
And of course, I could have one, three, five, 10, 15, 20 senior executives on the phone, and not one would have a universal definition definition of coaching, and not one organization has one that they share. So how are you then going to build a coaching culture, let alone teach managers what coaching really is if there's no universal definition or foundation to build from because they still think coaching is something you do to someone rather than it's simply a conversation you're having every single day with your people and now at a much deeper and more personal level absolutely yeah i i, I agree with you on coaching I'm, and i'm coming to you next bill i agree with you certainly and and you know coaching isn't a kpi is it you know that's that's and that's how most people most organizations consider it um it just simply isn't it's 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 got to be indoctrinated and you know within the sales leadership area quite simply bill i know you're very very strong on both um building strong relationships um and you believe in relationship selling and you're also a great advocate and crusader for mentoring and coaching so let me take that last part first um are you witnessing sales managers struggling even more now with coaching than they even did previously yeah, that most definitely what what we find is that most managers see themselves as chief problem solvers. So they equate coaching with fixing problems. And so a salesperson will come to them and say, I'm struggling with X, and the manager will say, just do it this way, and think that's coaching. And so they're in the mode of finding things that are broken and telling people how to fix them. And, and you know, one of the things that keeps coming back when they do that is they keep fixing the same problem over and over and don't figure out that that's really not coaching. That's just solving issues one at a time and not even solving them over the long haul. So what we're finding is that if we look at true coaching, which is the ability to empower people to grow as opposed to fixing their problems, what we have to figure out is that the model has to be creating an environment of vulnerability, creating an environment where when someone is struggling in their remote location, that it's not being called to the principal's office as a form of coaching. It's a matter of the coach being so in touch with their people that they sense this and that they have the ability through observation to say, let's work together to close the gap between where you are and, and where uh, success lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Do you think that um, one of the reasons why um, you and Sandra came through the pandemic so far um, in much better shape than many organizations is, is because of that commitment to having strong relationships with your existing client base. And one of the baselines of, of Sandler, as you know, is the formation of the relationship, but not a surface relationship where a salesperson walks into a prospect's office or sees them online and begins to relate to the things they see. But it's more the psychology of building that relationship so that yeah. Zoom is not just a piece of technology. It's the ability to relate to people through you know, mirroring and matching and things like that that create the bond. And, you know, I believe that most salespeople aren't taught that. They're taught to go into someone's office or to pay attention to the surroundings and to, what, uh, relate to them and say, well, I see a picture of your kids playing soccer. My kids play soccer too. Now we're feeling close. And, you know, we did an experiment here one time where we took everything out of my office except a glass desk uh, that I sat behind. In one corner, we put a large plumber's wrench. In the other corner, a, a mannequin with a dress on it. And then in the third corner, a surfboard signed by the greatest surfer ever, Duke Hanamea. And I defied people to come in and to relate to me through those three things because then I became a cross-dressing surfer who happened to be a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant absolutely brilliant um, and finally bill i'm going to ask you this um we did we did discuss this on the previous round table if, if not two previous round tables do you think it's going to be more difficult to build strong relationships with clients customers if we remain in a digital digitally controlled world I think if we try to build them at the pace we did before, it will be almost impossible. But I think if we recognize the slow down to speed up model, and that is that it takes longer to build a stronger relationship if you're not in front of someone, if, if you're just using Zoom. So, you know, I, I think in the beginning of my sales process, I've built in 
R1 and R2, which are two relationship phases. The first one is kind of that 10 minute get to know, but the second one is the deeper exploration of what we learned in that. So and I think, again, it's more marathon building of relationships than sprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. I mean, I'm a people person, as you know, and you know, I, I, I just find it's much more difficult online to build a strong relationship, particularly if you're attempting to build it from scratch. If you've got an existing relationship, for example, if I, you know, had a call with any of you four, no problem at all. You know, I can I, I can recognize intonation, uh, etc. But trying to start a relationship, an important relationship and build it from scratch uh, online, I think is much, much more difficult. Um, Keith, I've picked up that you want to come in before I bring you in. Can, uh, Gretchen, you've got a question for Dave. Yes, I do. Um, and and it really relates to what we were talking about with regard to effectiveness of uh, sales managers, you know, uh, connecting with salespeople. Um, I was reviewing some of the OMG data that would uh, indicate that only 41% of salespeople are suitable for working remotely, um, meaning 59% are not yeah. suitable for working remotely, right? Am I right about that number, Dave, or close to it? You are, that's it. That yeah. is the shameful, embarrassing number. Yeah, Come and on. so I guess the question is, if that's the number of salespeople, you know, if that's the percentage of salespeople, we would, maybe we make the leap to most sales managers come from sales roles. So guess what? Those people aren't any better from working, you know, at working remotely. Is that a fair assumption, Dave? That's a very fair assumption. And a sales manager could even be more isolated right now than they used to be because they're not out in the field working with their salespeople, which for a lot of companies, that was the only time they were talking to their salespeople when they scheduled that week in the field or that two-day visit. And you can get along with, with just a small percentage of salespeople who are suitable for working remotely, but it requires that the sales managers step up their game. And we're not even talking about daily at this point. For someone who isn't suitable for working remotely, um, it's two to three check-ins per day that they have to step up the game that much to keep that salesperson engaged and connected and comfortable and to lead and direct and, of course, coach. And we've, we've certainly heard enough on this call uh, from enough of us about most sales managers don't know what good looks like when it comes to coaching. They don't know how to add value to their coaching. They don't know how to make the coaching so impactful that the sales manager asks, when can we do this again? They just think that having a conversation about an opportunity is coaching. And it's it's a pitiful excuse for the, the most important function in a sales management role. Yeah. In fact, the, the survey that we've been referring to, um, leading from the front in challenging times, actually proves that point. And it suggests that um, post-lockdown, what managers did, they reverted to type. So when we looked at their sort of daily, weekly, monthly activities, what we discovered was they'd gone back to trying to sell. So they, they were almost ignoring their sales team. Coaching was way, way, way down. Um, and I guess it was sort of panic mode. Right, we need to get some runs on the board and there aren't many, you know, we're unable to attract new clients. So um, I, I better start selling to the existing ones. And, and it was really sort of you know, absolutely amazing. I mean, I think the final point on that that I would make is, and, and this really sort of brings it all home to, to us all, I think, that 10 years ago, 63% of frontline sales professionals were doing their number, okay, doing their annual quota. Um, in 2019, that went down to 43%. And we fully anticipated around about November, December 2019, when we sort of tried to look out. And I know I had a conversation with you, Dave, too. And, you, you know, my thoughts were actually spot on with yours. We thought it was going to dip below 40% for the first time. So if you imagine we've gone from 63% to quite probably in normal trading times in 2020 down to at least, well, it would have been 39%, I, I, I believe. That is 
a, a really worrying, incredible dip. And you don't really need to be a statistician to see how that's trending. And, you know, I've, I've said for a long time, it's, it's my belief that it's, there's two significant reasons. One is sales leadership and, and the paucity of them. And the figure that you and I use, Dave, is 6% six, 6 of sales managers globally only are capable, experienced enough, and, you know, genuinely able to, to manage a sales team. But I also think it's because the, the buyer-seller connect has, been come, has become disconnected. Buyers have moved on. They've changed the way that they buy and they won't ever revert. But sellers are still selling in the same way that they always have done. And, you know, some of the latest research that we're going to do, I think, is going to underpin those statements. So before I come back to you, um, Bill, um, I've got Keith. You want to come in and build on something that Bill said last time? I do. And it's just reinforcing what I think we're all in alignment around, which is fear is really the dominating force that we're seeing in organizations today. And if fear is the dominating force, then managers are going to their default, which is I have the answer. So let me just tell them to do it. And I've actually had managers say to me, Keith, maybe I should be more directive now instead of coaching. Well, clearly that manager doesn't know what coaching is because if you have time to ask a question, you have time to coach. You know, you have time to give an answer, you have time to coach. So it's really, you know, as you were building up, Jeff, setting, resetting those expectations, realigning how we sell with how buyers like to buy. But how are we going to do that if we're not taking the time to coach our customers and ask them, what's changed? How, how has your procurement process changed? What does your decision factors look like now if they've before in 2019. And, and finally, you know, just getting back to the manager part is I've lost count how many times I've heard managers say, Keith, I was just promoted right before the pandemic and I never had the opportunity to ever meet my people in person. And today, I think the opportunity, and it's also where people struggle is they're afraid to have these deeper conversations. They're afraid to have them with their customers. They're afraid to have them with their direct reports because they're thinking HR compliancy. The fact is, though, we are living in people's homes right now. We are living in our customers' homes. Every single time we're on a call and a, and a Zoom call, we're in people's homes. We're in their office. We're seeing what's going on around them. If they're working in their office, if they have a home office, if they're working in their kitchen, the kids are running around, if they're working in their closet. So we can't avoid this stuff. And managers think, well, wait a second, am I allowed to be compliant and even have these conversations? Yes. You are. And it's the questions that sound like, hey, walk me through how you're currently managing your day. How have you set boundaries and expectations with your family when you're, when you're at home? What is your daily self-care regimen? You know, how are you turning off work at the end of the day? No managers are asking these questions because no one's asking them these questions. And these are the deeper conversations that are going to foster those relationships that people need and salespeople need to keep driving sales today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Bill, I'm going to come back to you now. Um, we know um, from you know what we've learned over the last 12 months that many sales managers and certainly many organizations have taken this time and used it wisely to recalibrate. They've recalibrated their sales teams. They've, they've asked themselves what skills are going to be required to sell in the future. They've examined their onboarding um, methodology and process, uh, they've examined again their recruitment policy, et cetera. Where in, in your opinion should a smart manager, he or she, start when thinking about the future? Would it be re-examining process? Would it be re-examining coaching? I mean, which for you would come first? Three areas come to mind when, when you say that, and it's a good focus for a couple of minutes here. One is the virtual sales call methodology, T translating the regular sales methodology into the virtual sales methodology, which means you're going to spend more time building the relationship early on. You're going to not just dump features and benefits and let it come down to price. You're going to work with that deeper reason to buy. And so analyzing your sales methodology and ask your, asking yourself, if we had to do this virtually, what are the things we'd strengthen at the beginning of it? The, the second area is creating a playbook and a playbook talk tracks for, for, for 
dealing with people remotely and building those talk tracks that are either used uh, in a cold call or in a typical sales call. What's the playbook for handling objections as an example? How do we present our company in a way through a 30 second commercial? So, you know, we've analyzed 10 things in that playbook that if people can focus on, that's the next point of change. And then the third is a cookbook in general. And a cookbook is simply taking the top 10 behaviors that someone has to perform and teaching them how to create a cadence in their calendar where they can execute these. And I think one of the things we're finding is that cadence has been blown up by, by working remotely. And so if we can teach them that cadence again, and determine what those top 10 uh, behaviors are, we can begin with those three areas to regroup and to create that learning community again. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. Gretchen, really, to ask you the same thing, I mean, what advice are you giving your clients? But I, I note in the um, message box, you've got a comment um, concerning fear that Keith brought up earlier. Yeah, so I actually would, um, um, you know, a couple things. in With regard to fear, um, I think we really have to pay attention to the fact that um, if there are fewer opportunities, maybe because prospecting is harder, maybe because we're, um, you know, not as comfortable finding opportunities because the salespeople are virtual, whatever it is, that um, salespeople might be discounting from a, a fear perspective. So if I only have this opportunity that I'm working on, I can't let it go. Uh, so I guess I would say that, you know, in, in light of a couple different things that, you know, I think are going to be critically important is one is to shore up profitability associated with opportunities just because there's a pandemic or because we're still in this, you know, virtual mode doesn't mean that a company's products and services are any less valuable to their clients. So we really have to get, get, you know, deep on selling value. And that starts with coaching and having a process and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's something that we're seeing is salespeople resorting to uh, discounting out of fear that they're going to lose the deal. So they automatically go to price. So that's, that's mm -hmm. one thing I would say pay attention to because it's real. Um, second thing would be um, having uh, more, which we've all said, more shorter interactions, um, making sure that, you know, having a, a sales meeting via Zoom uh, is not the same as having a sales meeting in person. So you really have to adapt. So it's really that concept of adapt to what the environment is. Um, and then, you know, doubling down on a process. And the reason I say that is because when salespeople are under stress, they will resort to, you know, listening to the voices in their head instead of focusing on what needs to happen next, which takes me back around to fear-based discounting. If they're scared they're going to lose the deal, then they're going to, you know, they're going to be apt to say, oh, it's all about price and we need to cut the price, et cetera. So yeah. um, those yeah. would be my thoughts. Okay, uh, excellent. Uh, thanks, Gretchen. Um, what I would ask all of you is, as we near the witching hour, could you think of one piece of advice that you would give to a sales leader who is currently struggling in the you know, commercial environment that we find ourselves in, um, but hopefully we're all going to be optimistic and, and realistic. Um, so just think about one piece of advice you would, you would give them, and we'll finish with that at the end. In the meantime, before I come back to you, Keith, what I'd like to go is, is bring Dave in. He's got a couple of follow-up comments. Dave. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, you were mentioning uh, how low the percentage has gone uh, for the percentage of salespeople that are hitting quota at this point. And it mirrors uh, the percentage of salespeople who suck, you know, from objective <laughs> management groups data. Yeah. Half of all salespeople are just pitiful, crappy, yeah. sucky. And of that group, the percentage who score strong at taking a consultative approach and being able to sell value is in the single digits. So th yeah. there's no question that the reason so few salespeople are hitting quota 
is because so many salespeople are so woefully inadequate at doing the two most important things that are required for being able to sell in 2021. Differentiate through selling consultatively and sell value, be the value. So that was one of the things I wanted to follow up on. Then I wanted to follow up on what, what Bill was talking about, his great list of priorities. Um, and I, I apologize, Bill, if, if this isn't real consistent with what you were saying, because what you were saying is important. At the same time, I think more companies than ever before uh, are coming to us saying, we got a playbook, we've got a sales process, we've got CRM, uh, we've been coaching, we've been training, and they're suddenly claiming to be doing all of those things, but they're doing it all so badly. You know, there was no thought put into any of that stuff. So they're, one, misguided in terms of believing they've tackled those things, and two, overwhelmed, because there's so many things that they need to pay attention to and work on and get better at. And I think that from, from our perspective, the way we can help companies is to simplify. And we've got to move from getting them to think there's 10 things they have to fix to getting them to believe that let's just focus on one thing at a time. Let's just take the low hanging fruit. Let's see what the most glaring and obvious problem is. And let's, let's just work on that for a little while and see what happens. And I, and I think they're more receptive to that today, following 2020 and a repeat of 2020, that's 2021 so far, than a list of 10 or 12 things that have to get fixed which overwhelms them and causes them to clam up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one thing, you're, you're right, Dave, it's one thing to, to, to have all these ideas and to, you know, you could have the best sales tools in the world, but if you don't know how to use them, I mean, a fool with a tool is still a fool. It's as simple as that. And that certainly goes for CRM, where we, you know, we know for a fact that around about 68% of companies that we've spoken to um, you know, I, I freely admit they haven't received a proper return on the investment they've made, which I find it quite extraordinary. Just before I go back to Bill, uh, and in fact, I'm going to go back to Greg. Sorry, I'm going to go back to Keith. Um, the top performance, Dave, you and I have used 6% approximately for about the past at least 15 years. Is it your opinion that it's still around about 6%? Well, you say six, I say seven. Uh, I don't right. think that's the, sig statistically significant in terms of yeah. whether it's six or seven. It sucks, <laughs> regardless of which of those two numbers we use. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But isn't it worrying? I mean, disappointing that that number has stayed, has remained static for all those years. You would think that there would be people at level two trying to push up there and get into level one and get into the top division, but they're just you not making think. it. They're not you making would, it. Right, yeah. and, and I think the problem, and, and I think we've all touched on it in our own ways in this conversation, is that they don't know what good looks like, and because they don't know what good looks like, they think it's good. They yeah. don't know how bad they are, and they aren't willing to explore how ineffective they are, and nobody's telling them how awful they are, so they've got no incentive to change anything. And well, that's before you even consider ego, that yeah. they're supposed to know how to do this, they were hired to do this, and if they get help, uh, they'll look weak. Yeah, one of the reasons for that, you know, Dave, uh, as, as I'm sure you know, I'm sure all of you know, is quite simply because salespeople tend to benchmark themselves against the other members on their team. So if they're the best performing, uh, salesperson on the team they think they're wonderful you know they, they they would never think to benchmark themselves against the best in their industry and yeah I it's 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 ludicrous Keith I know you're chomping at the bit so I'm going to bring you in but you need to be brief my friend because we're going back for those final tips so how about I just jump into the final tips yeah well yeah if you, are you ready <laughs> and how Aren't many you of surprised? you how many have you got well, you know, I'm taking the liberty to add maybe one or two, you know, just given the, given the timeline. So, uh, well, okay, all, if, we can, <laughs> if we can avoid your usual 10, that would be great. 
that would be progress. So first I'd like to say, uh, just building off what you said, I will just say this and we could use this as a separate conversation. Uh, you talk about the top salespeople feeling really good and their egos being really uh, big. Unfortunately though, um, most of us equate our confidence with our results. Uh, and what people don't realize is confidence is actually a social construct. Um, we rate our self-worth and our um, uh, our value based on what we do and what we achieve. So look at a salesperson who sells, their confidence goes up. Conversely, look at someone who doesn't achieve results. Well, gee, I guess I'm not worthy. My confidence goes down. And, and that is an external model that we've been taught over the years when in actuality, uh, you know, just like happiness is a choice, so is confidence. So I just wanted to touch on that. The other thing I want to make sure I touch on is this is something that I think we all need to ask ourselves is, are you working from home or are you living at work? And this is going back to the, you know, nine to five hours a day. You know, uh, you know, people are exhausted, but they're not only exhausted because they're working from home, they're exhausted because they have no boundaries. They're fielding calls on weekends at nine o'clock at night on a Friday. So what's getting thrown out the window is their self-care. More than ever, the great opportunity for managers is to also start coaching their people on redesigning what their day looks like so they're engaging in the activities that are going to move them to their goals while honoring their personal priorities. And the, the final thing I want to throw out there is, you know, as, as, as I've heard Dave uh, talk about processes, um, you know, taking that to the next level is I find it, I find it absolutely ridiculous that managers are the ones that are trying to reinvent sales processes when it's their salespeople that are on the front line. So one, if you really want to create more disengagement and isolation, keep throwing new processes on your people. Well, here's the concept. If you want to increase engagement and you want to tap into the wisdom of your team and have them feel connected and not alone, have them part of the redesign process. After all, they're the ones in the field and having them collaborate on that is not only going to help create the best new process in sales, but also develop the core competencies that managers can then coach to. I couldn't agree more. Give them the responsibility, share the responsibility with them, and they'll feel, they'll feel far better about being part of the eventual solution that they will want to help implement it. Couldn't agree more. Dave, do you want to share your final tip with us, please? Sure. Um, the, the two things that, that I've mentioned today, uh, being better at consultative selling and being more effective at coaching, those are two things that take time to develop. You can't just flip a switch and be great at listening and asking questions. And you can't flip a switch and be great at coaching and role playing and, and really being impactful. So what are the things that you could do today that would instantly increase revenue? And, and, I, and we haven't talked about it at all today, but it's a big, huge problem and more than half of all salespeople are guilty of it, and that's excuse making, more specifically rationalizing why they didn't get the business. And if sales leaders could just put an end to that, that yeah. they would see an immediate return on their effort. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, Dave, thank you. Bill, what have you got for us? If salespeople are social beings, we know that, and, and, and that personality that goes with being a social being is really important. And so what I think we need to do as leaders is socialize learning by creating a learning community. And, and in that learning community, we bond them together, teaching each other. You know, that's the internal mentoring process of sharing those best practices and success stories, as well as making sure that we have those sharpen the saw sessions. I think what's happened now is all of that's gone by the wayside and we've just focused on pressuring people to perform and to deliver metrics. And then the last thing is, you know, the concept of self-directed learning. You know, we have an, an, a learning management portal that, that we excel at, I believe. And I think the ability to plug people into that with learning tracks, almost in a Netflix way, is really going to be the key to them making sure they can learn on demand as opposed to just learning from one coach at one period of time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and, and I get that too, most definitely. Thank you. Gretchen. Thanks, Jonathan. One, I have a real quick tip, and we haven't really talked about this, um, and, and that has to do with embracing technology. So if 
you know, the fact of the matter is, is if your people are selling over Zoom, for instance, let's say, guess what? There's a little record button. Um, have your salespeople record themselves more and debrief and review them. It's it's way easier than going on a coaching call out in the field with them. Additionally, um, you know, as the manager, record your coaching calls with your salespeople and review them and um, be thoughtful about where you could do things differently. That um, you know, just spending more time, um, even if you're not very good at it, if you spend more time coaching and we have the technology tools to be able to do it, let's just embrace them. You're going to have uh, impact. You're going to have positive impact the more time you spend coaching. And it's easier than it ever has been because everybody's working via Zoom. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very interesting. You know, you, you would like to believe that as a result of COVID-19, everyone has become more comfortable and accustomed to using technology. I'm not convinced that is the case. And some of the Zoom calls that you know I, I've witnessed have been dreadful. And I'm, and I'm always thinking, well, if that's how you conduct yourself in front of potential clients or existing clients, um, what sort of message does that send? Um, pretty dreadful. I'm going to leave I mean, all of your points have been superb. And I think throughout the course of this discussion, we've provided so much information and hopefully food for thought. A couple of things that we haven't mentioned. Well, I think I mentioned one of them. Um, it's probably if I were a sales leader, I would take this time that I've got now to ensure that my people fully understand the importance of having accurate pipelines and staying close to those pipelines and, and showing them and sharing with them that at least a third of the opportunities currently residing in their pipeline at this moment in time for various reasons will not happen. And it's best to get those weeded out so that the focus can be on the deals that can happen, that are profitable and are winnable. There are no prizes, and I've said this often enough, but there are no prizes for having an over-pregnant pipeline. Prizes are for closed business, and they always will be. And one final tip, which I alluded to earlier, is you've got to understand how all of your existing clients and your prospects like to buy. When was the last time you heard a salesperson at the start of a, 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 an interview, at the start of an exploratory meeting with a potential client, say, okay, Mr. Buyer, um, tell me how your company likes to buy. Run me through a, a, a typical buying cycle, would you? And then they will explain it to you. And, and it makes it so easy, much well, easy, relatively, um, certainly much easier to align what the way that you sell with the way that they buy. And that is the secret of successful um, consultative relationships. There's absolutely no, about, no doubt about it. But that isn't an isolated question. Once you've asked and, and learnt and understood how they like to buy, um, my second question would always be, and is that how you're going to buy this particular solution? Will you follow the same path? <clears throat> so there we go. So I'm going to thank you all. It's been a great discussion, and I hope you're all going to come back later in the year and for the 2021 roundtable season. So to you, Bill, Gretchen, Keith, Dave, my gratitude for making this a very, very stimulating discussion, and it's been an absolute pleasure to host you. So before I say goodbye to the audience, what we've been referring to throughout this um, discussion um, is this piece of research, it's brand new, all right? So it's relevant. It's not relying on facts and figures that came out three or four years ago that have been bolted together. Over 500 people globally took part in this particular piece of research. There are seven sections to it. It's free to download. And if you're in a management role or you have ambitions to get into a management role, I urge you to read it. Um, uh, so simply go over to Sandler Research Center. Yep, do a Google search, Sandler Research Center, and you can sign up and download the report. You will learn an awful lot, I do believe. Okay, so with that, thank you for joining us. Um, this recording will, of course, be available within 
48 hours, I believe, certainly 72 hours. And as always, we will be recording on the last Thursday of each month. We've got some exciting topics coming up, and I very much hope you'll join us again. So from me, Jonathan Farrington, goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye.